Hey, today's message is all about authentic manhood. What does it mean to be a man? And I know some of you in this place today, maybe you grew up with a great dad. He had a great example for a father. Some of you grew up and maybe you didn't have a dad. You didn't have a father. Uh, maybe you had one that was at least present, or he, he was there physically, but maybe was not present emotionally, right? And, and maybe you've lost your dad recently. This is a tough day. I don't know where you're at and your story right now, but I want to talk about what it means to be a true man. Uh, what I believe anyway, and I think, guys, you would for the most part agree with me, uh, is that manhood is more caught than taught, Right? A lot of times we're not necessarily, you know, with our words, man, like teaching our kids, and we do, but most of the time, I remember anyway, growing up, my dad just was, and then I became, right, you know, so whether that's for better or for worse, you know what I'm talking about, like, man, if you start, you know, you saying some cuss words every once in a while on the side, your kids start repeating it after you, it's like, oh, okay, so he's listening, all right, that makes sense, you know what I mean, it's more caught than taught, and I'm going to speak for the most part to the men today, but ladies, this is for you too. Why is it for you? Especially if you are married, I want you to be listening because there will be some moments where you will get to jab your husband or your significant other in the side and say, mm-hmm, why don't you go ahead and listen to what pastor's saying today? And I don't want you to miss out on that opportunity. So please make sure that you listen today because you'll have an opportunity to have a couple of jabs and side eyes. You know what I'm saying, ladies? Okay, amen. We have a manhood crisis in our culture, if I'm being honest. We have a manhood crisis. But what does it mean to be a man? I think traditionally anyway, a lot of people would say, well, you know, you got to have a big truck. You know what I mean? You got to have diesel. You know, it's got to be loud. It's got to be big. You know what I'm saying? That's like, that's a man right there. He's driving that nice truck, okay? Maybe sports. Like you can name off every sports team for the last 20 years in basketball. You can name every person on the starting lineup and all the way down the bench on the 1996 championship Chicago Bulls. You know what I mean? Like that's, you can talk that way. You play fantasy football. You can hang out with the bros like that. You know, whatever that looks like. Uh, you know, it's going out on a Friday night, drinking with the buddies. You know, that's what it means to be a man, okay? Okay. And then you have another version of a man, maybe, that maybe isn't, doesn't know anything about actually playing sports, but can play 2K all day long on, that, on the sticks. You know, I'm talking about the video games. Uh, maybe, you're a, maybe you're a hipster kind of a dude. You know what I'm saying? You wear them skinny jeans, and I usually do. Today, I didn't just for Father's Day. You know what I'm saying? I wore my golf polo today. I'm with you guys. I'm ready to go. But, uh, but, but you know, maybe wear skinny jeans and go to coffee shops. Is that what it means to be a man? Like, I, I don't know. So many guys even can't even figure out what it means to be a man, and those kind of dudes might not even agree on what manliness looks like. But what I do know is that culture defines a man in this way. It's, it's how many women can you get? Uh, like, how much confidence do you have? Uh, how much success do you have? How much money do you have? Are you high up on the ladder at your workplace? That is what culture would define as success as a man. And there really is an attack on manhood right now, I truly believe, because the world right now says that men and women are mostly the same. There's not really much different about us. And I think if you're married for 0.2 seconds, you can figure out that that is not the case, right? We're very different in the way that we think, the way that we act, and the way that God has uniquely wired us. We're just, we're just different. And that's, so that's wrong. But then I think there's another thing that we get wrong many times in the church, 
Well, we see in the Bible, and there's this verse that says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then the church for many, many years has taken this to mean like, you got to submit to me. Like, I lead this house and you got to submit. And it's this idea that men are, are inherently better than women. And maybe some men out there think that they're better and, and that the women just need to submit to them. Or whatever. And I don't feel like that that's exactly right either. And so men aren't necessarily the best, uh, but we're not the same. So what does this really look like? But thankfully, I think God's word gives us some clear instructions on what it means to be a man. And so we can look to his word for guidance and instruction. We don't need to look to culture. We don't need to look to Hollywood to tell us what being a man is all about. Honestly, you don't even have to look to your daddy, but you can look to your, dare I say, sky daddy? No, I hate that. I can't stand when people say that. That's so weird. That's awkward. Boo. Never again. Anyway, we look to Jesus, right? We look to God the Father, okay? If you've, if you've ever heard that in church before and someone was being for real, run, please. Okay, anyway, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14, it says, be watchful. Guys, I'm ADHD. Sometimes I just say things, all right? Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. I don't think I can recover from that, guys. There we go. All right, number one, the first thing it says to do is watch out. Somebody say watch out. It says be watchful. Watch out. Now, what does this mean? Does it mean like heads up, I'm throwing a football at your face. Like watch out. No. It's a military term. Watch out. Be on guard is another way that you can translate this. Pay attention to your surroundings. I don't know if there's any military guys in here today or, or maybe police officers or, you know, whatever kind of service that you might have filled uh, in, in a public service way. But listen, man, you know, if you've been in the military, no one ever is alone and no one ever has their back that is not watched. Everybody's got their six covered. You always got to watch the guy next to you. You got to watch his back and you got to pay attention to what is going on around you. You got to be aware of your surroundings. And there's this idea in scripture, it's called the watchman on the wall, uh, that, that, that we as men are uniquely wired and designed to be the watchman on the wall. If you've seen, you know, a movie like 300 or Lord of the Rings or any kind of war movie uh, from ancient past when they have swords and shields, they have these big cities, right? And they're all walled off. And they would have watchmen on the top of these walls at different posts along the wall. What was their job? It was simply to watch and pay attention to see what was approaching. And as men, I believe that God has uniquely designed us to be the watchmen on the wall, not just for yourself, but for your family, right? For the people that are around you. It is our job to watch out for different things. I don't know about you, but I have a complete plan for if there was ever an intruder in my house. Any other men got that plan? You know what I'm talking about. Like, you already know if somebody comes through the back door, I'm going here, I'm getting this, and I'm going to beat him in the head with this hanger, okay? You know, like, like you don't even, whatever you have, like, you're like trying to figure out your weapon situation in the house, you know? You got to figure it out. How am I going to take care of the intruder? What if he goes out and he's climbing on the ladder and gets into my kid's window? Like, this is how I'm going to take care of this. Like, well, that situation is not ever going to happen, right? But you already have a plan for it. Why? Because you're a man, and that's what we do, you know what I'm saying? We got to have a plan. Why do we do that? Because that's how we are wired. That's how we think. We're wired to protect. We're the watchmen on the wall. The Bible says that the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. There's an enemy that is coming after you, 
coming after your family. His name is Satan. He's called the devil. And he wants nothing more than to kill and destroy your family. And if he can't physically do it, he will wants to destroy your soul is what he really wants to do. And so what happens if the watchman on this, this hypothetical wall doesn't do his job? If you're on the wall, and it's your job to watch out for the enemy, and you're texting, right? Come on, you're texting. You're just chilling. Maybe flip the phone this way, watching Netflix. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, I ain't really paying attention. What happens? You're about to get an arrow straight to the side of your head. You know what I'm saying? Like the enemy's going to be coming. You're not even going to realize that he's there because you ain't paying attention. It says that the enemy is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is coming for you. And so we need to watch out. Satan would love nothing more than for you to be drunk, high, impatient, angry, and absent. But we know from God's word that God wants you to be sober and have a sound mind and be watchful, looking out for Satan's attacks. Come on, somebody say amen today. Not only are you supposed to watch out for you, but you gotta watch out for those that you love too. Because it's not only the watchman that's at risk if he has his back turned to the enemy that's approaching, but if he gets taken out, or if he's not paying attention and the enemy gets up to the wall and is able to advance, now what's the problem? The entire city is now at risk because the watchmen didn't do their jobs. And I believe that as men, if we do not do our jobs with our families and with our churches, with our kids and with our friends and our coworkers, the people that God has entrusted us with, if we're not watching out for them, then I believe that we put our entire family at risk. And our job is to make sure that our family stays close to God and is not attacked by the enemy. Man, we got to watch out for those attacks by the enemy. We have a unique desire to protect, and it's, it's, it's not by accident. But I believe that many of us also have this desire to provide. Right? We want to provide for our families. It's something that uh, men are uniquely wired to do. And I, I love that. I think it's a good thing. Many of us work very hard at our jobs, but Unfortunately, some of us can be lazy with our marriage and with our kids. You know what I'm talking about. We work hard at the nine to five and we're trying to make that bread. We're trying to get that money. We got to provide for our family and we put in the extra hours. We do what we got to do sometimes, but many times I think we work so hard at our jobs and then we neglect our family and our kids. But God didn't say work really hard at your job and forget about these people I entrusted you with. Like we say, well, I'm working real hard so that I can provide for them. No, no, listen, man, when's the last time you prayed with your kids? When's the last time you played with your kids? When's the last time that you hung out with them, not just like going to the park, but man, when have you like sat down with your kid and said, hey, I'm gonna pray with you. Let's read our Bible together. Let's make sure that you're spiritually sound. That's not something that men, we generally do, right? But that's something that God calls us to do, to not be lazy with our marriage, but to be, uh, be intentional with our marriage, with our kids, and with our family. God has entrusted us with these people, and it's our job to watch out for them, to be the watchman on the wall. So pray for them, love them, and don't let Satan take a foothold in your home because he would love nothing more than to just get his foot right in the door in your household. And so we don't want to let that happen. I'm going to say this, and I want you to repeat it after me in a moment. I, I, I want you to put this on a sticky note, write this down, Set a reminder. I don't know what this looks like for you men, but th this is what I want you to say. I set the tone in my home. I want you to say it like this. I set the tone in my home. I want you to say it loud and proud. Come on. I set the tone in my home. It's from a Bible verse. It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen.
If you want to speak scripture over your family, you want to speak something that will give life to your family, you want to remind yourself about your position in your family, this is a verse right here that I would encourage you to write down. Say, hey, listen, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. This is what we do around here. This is what I do. And I set the tone in my home. And I want to make sure my home is a place of love, my home is a place of peace, and my home is a home that honors God. Amen? So the first one, that's it right there. Watch out. The second thing is stand firm. Somebody say stand firm. 1 Corinthians 16, again, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Now, if you've seen those movies, uh, you know, you watch war movies or whatever, the ancient kind of battles, I think that stuff's pretty cool. Uh, but you'll see many times they had these shields. They would put the shields in front of them, and then they would have long, long lines of warriors. And they would have thousands, sometimes, warriors all lined up. And then they would, what do they do? They push the line forward. They advance the line. More importantly, they hold the line. Because how many of you know, if you get through, if you can puncture the line, if you can get through in a certain spot and divide the army, now it's easier to conquer the army. So you have to use your shield and hold the line. Now, if I am on the front lines of an ancient battle with literal flaming arrows coming at me, I would want to make sure that I have a pretty good shield, right? I ain't trying to go up there like this in a golf polo, you know, with a, with a golf, with a nine iron, okay? I ain't trying to go out to battle like that. I want to make sure that I have a good shield and that I have good armor on me. And that must be a terrifying place to stand with the armor. So think about if you didn't have the armor. I believe that you can't stand firm in your faith without the proper armor. And that's why Ephesians 6 talks about what? Putting on the full armor of God. Does it say put on some of the armor of God? Does it say make sure that you have just the helmet? No, no, no. Or just the breast. You got to put on the full armor of God to stand against the enemy. And it talks about one piece in particular I want to stop on today. It's the shield of what? Faith. The shield of faith. How do we stand firm as we pick up our shield and we stand on the word of God and we speak the truth of the word of God and we use our faith against the enemy, against his attacks? It says in the Bible that he's shooting flaming arrows at us. That sounds awful. I ain't trying to have no flaming arrows. And it says it extinguishes the flaming arrows of the enemy. What does that look like practically in our lives? I believe Satan will speak to you and speak to me and try to lie to us. It says that he's the father of lies. All he does is lie. It's his native language. So he's lying to you. What is he saying, men? What's something you deal with? You're a failure. You ain't good enough. What is that? That's a flaming arrow of the enemy. You know what I want to do? I'm going to put up my shield and say, no, my faith is firm. I am standing firm in God right now. I'm using the word of God right now. When he says, you're a failure, you say, God, I am victorious through you. Amen? When Satan says, you're addicted, you can say, no, no, no. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm not addicted anymore. Uh uh Satan, maybe he's tempting you with something else. Maybe he says something that looks like a compliment, but it's actually temptation. He says, you're awesome. You're amazing. You got it all together. You don't need anybody else. You don't need God. But then what can you say in that moment? You say, oh, no, 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 whoever is first is last. Come on, now whoever's last is first. I'm gonna humble myself. And you're actually using your shield in that moment. That's how you extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. And stand firm, man, come on. Somebody say, stand firm. The world doesn't define me. God defines me. Culture doesn't define me. God defines me. Hollywood doesn't define me. 
God defines me. That's how I define myself is by what the word of God says about me. And when these attacks come, it is not just good enough to have your shield. You've seen the movies. They ain't just by themselves. They got a lot of other dudes around them. And what's the importance of that? You might have your shield and you might have it in front of you. What about the sides and the back? You need other men in your life that also have their shields of faith put up and ready to help protect you and your family too. You need other men. You need community around you. Why? Because if you're not watching your three and your six and your nine, there's going to be a problem. Satan is going to find his way in. So you need other men around you. The men in these ancient battles would hold up their shields. Many times, even on top, they would have people to hold them up on top in front and all around the sides. And it became kind of like a turtle shell is, is kind of what it is. And it would help and they'd be able to see out like this, but they would hold it up top to get anything from the top, anything from the back and the sides. And so do you have that kind of community in your life? You need a tribe of godly men to help protect you because if you do not have that, I can guarantee you, you will fail. If you don't have accountability with other guys in your life that are going after God together, holding up their shield of faith, man, you will fail. I'll say it like this. Community leads to victory. Isolation guarantees defeat. Community leads to victory, and isolation guarantees defeat. And the choice is yours. I know we don't like to think that we need other dudes. You know what I mean? Like, I get that, man. Like, we're, we're prideful sometimes. We say, I don't need anybody else. I'm good. Uh, but God's word says that iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And so whether you have that pride within you or not, you think that you're good, I can guarantee you, you need some help. We all need the help from other godly men around us. Maybe they'd have been a little bit farther down the line. And then you need to be investing in other young men of God too that are coming up in their faith as well. So we don't like to back down from a challenge. I don't know about you, uh, but, but if I'm, I'm trying to stand firm, I got a little pride. I think we all have a little bit of that within us. And and uh, so there, there's a, a student in the youth group that we were here on Wednesday night, and uh, it was hilarious because he came up to me. We were, play, we were about to play some basketball, and I picked up the ball, and I was about to shoot or whatever, and he said, hey, you want to play? And I was like, yeah. And he said, cool, I'm going to cook you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you're going to cook me, huh? Sounds good. Let's try this out. Okay. So I look over at, I think it was Joey and Emmanuel over there, some of our leaders. I look at him and was like, this kid doesn't know what's coming. And they were just like, we'll see, man, okay. He said, I'm a cookie. I was like, okay, boy, let's get it. And immediately, I don't know what it is about a challenge, but man, it could be literally anything. But if somebody says that you can't do something, you're like, okay, well, let me prove to you that I can't. You didn't even want to do whatever that thing was, but now I literally took my Burks and I threw them off my sandals. I threw my sandals off. I'm out here. There's glass out on the ground out here. And I was like, let me pick up this glass, make sure I ain't just getting my foot cut. All right, let's go. I'm getting blisters all over my feet. But this kid said he's going to cook me. I ain't about to let that happen, guys, okay? And so we started playing, and, uh, and, and I quickly showed him that I have veteran dad moves. You know what I mean? So, and every kid out there wants to be Steph Curry now, so he's throwing up threes and stuff like that. And I'm like, hey, let me just back you down. You know, you got to get the little thigh action in there. You just go around, and then, like, oh, pump fake. He's flying blah, through the air, and I'm just like, easy buckets. You know what I mean? So I ended up winning 7-4. Anyway, there's that. So <clears throat> I, always, I thought it was a little funny, though. I, I didn't want him to feel too bad because I'm like, hey, what if he like gets upset and like I, I trash talked him too much? And he like never wants to come back to church, but he's actually here right now today. So praise God. Anyway, so we're good. I'm gonna call you out though because I cooked you. Anyway, okay. <laughs> the enemy likes to challenge us, right? 
He tempts us with sin. The enemy is, is challenging you and he's tempting you with sin. And I think God is challenging us to stand firm in our faith, right? But why do we back down so easily? Why do we give in to sin? There's this challenge that God gives us as men to stand firm in our faith. And yet we back down and we give in and we let the enemy win. We let the enemy cook us, man, all the time. Why do we do that? I think it's because the world says that it's normal. I think it's because the world says that these things are okay. They are culturally accepted. And that's why we don't stand firm. We don't back down from a physical challenge, but a spiritual challenge, we back down so often. Why? Because the world says that lust is normal. Like, boys will be boys. That's just what they do. That's what the world thinks. That's what the world says. They say that pornography is normal, that sexual sin is normal, or, you know, going out and drinking on a Friday night and getting schwasty. Come on, they say that's normal. That's just what guys do, right? No, that's not. Why do we back down from the challenge? Why are we backing down from Satan when he's tempting us with these things? Man, we got to say, no, 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 not today, Satan. I'm putting up my shield of faith, and I have some other dudes around me too that are helping keep me accountable. They're putting up their shields of faith to help me when I am weak, because when I am weak, God, you are strong. I need you in this moment, God, to stand firm in my faith against the enemy. I'm not going to back down from a challenge. I'm going to put my foot on Satan's head and say, not today, Satan, just like we talked about a few weeks ago. Not today, Satan. Not for me, not for my family. I want God's plans in my life. Somebody say, amen. Come on. Don't let him win. Don't back down. Fight for your family. Fight for your kids. Fight for your faith in those around you. Stand firm. Number three is be strong. Somebody say, be strong. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Now, I'd like to think that I'm pretty strong. Decently strong anyway. Not as strong as some other dudes up in this place today. I look around and I see some pretty big biceps and uh, I wish that I had them. You know what I mean? I wish I had them. I have a few, you know, muscles here and there every once in a while. But, you know, I like, I like to work out. It's fun. I'm a little off the, the workout train right now. Uh, been real busy recently, but I need to get back on it. And here's the deal. Guys, we love to work out. It's something that is also kind of uniquely within us is we like to move big weight. And if anybody ever challenges, once again, if somebody challenges us or they say, hey, can you move this couch over here? If your wife says, hey, can you move this or move this bed or whatever? Uh, can you move this? We're all like up to the challenge. They're like, yes, absolutely. You check this out. Watch. And you're like picking it up and you're like, you're looking over at her like, you see this? I'm strong. You know, <laughs> like you, you, you do that. That's what we do, right? And so we like to get yoked. We like to be strong. Why? Because men with big muscles are usually praised, right? It's, it's one of those things that culture says, hey, that's the sign of a man. Like, like he's strong. He can provide. Like, he's big, you know. But here's the deal. 1 Timothy 4, 8 says this. While bodily training is of some value, some, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I want to ask you a question, men. When's the last time you did some push-ups? Some of y'all are like, it's been a long time, Pastor, okay? When's the last time that you worked out or did some push-ups or something like that? But when's the last time that you spiritually did some push-ups, man? When's the last time that you worked out your spiritual muscles? Because I'll get down on the ground and do some push-ups to build my physical muscles. But will you get down on your knees to worship Jesus to build your spiritual muscles? Is it the same? Have you done that recently? Have you prayed recently? Have you gotten your word recently? 
you're at church right now. Come on, praise God. That's, that you're working out your spiritual muscles right now. And I think we put a lot of value on our physical appearance and, and how we look and how you know, much we can lift or whatever. But, man, I don't want to just get physical gains. I want to get some God gains, you know, some spiritual gains in my life. True strength comes from God, not from me. What does the Bible say? When I am weak, then I am strong. And we, we say it like this in church. When I am weak, he is strong. We believe that. And it says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And then in Ephesians 6.10, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Whose might? His. Not mine, but his. And I think I get this, if I'm being totally honest. I get why we try to push through and make it happen. Because we're taught that at a young age, to push harder. And by pushing harder, we get more results, right? If you push harder uh, when you're lifting weights and you're benching, right, and you're pushing and you push, push, and you push, come on, come on, come on, let's go, push, 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 and you rack that thing up, and it's like, yes, like you're seeing results. You're getting gains in that moment. Pushing harder, you get more results. Maybe uh, at work, you're the first one to clock in. You're the last one to clock out. You put in the extra hours. You put in the extra time. And what does the world tell you, right, is that you're going to get a promotion. Your boss is going to see how hard you're working, and you're going to be the one to get the promotion. Here's the deal. The kingdom of God does not work the same way as our economy. The kingdom of God does not work the same way that you and I think. We cannot rely on our own strength. We have to rely on God's strength within me. When you're pushing harder and you're trying to make things happen, what we're actually doing is we are being prideful and we're taking the place of God. We're saying, I can do this. I don't need you. But really, we need to say, you know what, God, I can't do this. Let me tell you, men, right now, you might think you're all that in a bag of chips and that you're good enough. You're not. I'm not. None of us are. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And it's his strength in us that actually is what gives us true power. When I'm weak, he is strong. And I think authentic manhood, if I could be completely honest, one of the biggest things that we need to learn as men, and, and me included, is that the first shall be last, the last shall be first. Jesus showed what it, mean, what it meant to be a true leader when he got down on his hands and knees and washed the feet of his disciples. He humbled himself to the lowest place and loved on people around him. And I think that's real authentic manhood. Serving people around you, giving to people around you, loving your family well, loving the people around you well. And so number four is simply this, show love. 1 Corinthians 13, this is the, the verse that everybody talks about when people are getting married. Love is patient, love is kind. Stop, we already messed up, right? <laughs> I, I, I read this and I'm thinking, okay, I, I've already messed up, okay. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, does not dishonor others. This is that time for the, right here, ladies. It's not self-seeking, it's not angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And now the men look back at you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, there's that. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, I think these things are the exact opposite of what we are good at as men sometimes, right? Think about it. The very beginning, love is patient, love is kind. Would your wife or significant other, would those be the first words that she would use to describe you? He's just so patient and kind. 
<laughs> I don't know about all that. I don't think those are maybe the first words for a lot of us. Maybe it is for you, and good for you. Would you please teach the class on it for the rest of us? Are we, are we arrogant? That's what it says, prideful, angry, sinful. All these things are in here. Where do you stack up in this idea of love? This is how God presents love to us. And, and I like to look at myself, and I'm looking at this, and I'm saying sometimes there's a discrepancy here on how I am and how I live and how I show love and what God, who God is and how he shows love. You might say, I love my wife, man. I love my kids, or I love my family, and I love the people around me that, that are in my circle. Yeah, but could we grow in love? Could we grow in showing love to our family? Uh, could we show love in a deeper, in a better way? Is there more love that we can give? Is there more love that we can grow in and becoming more like Jesus? God is love, is what the Bible says. And I believe that as you get closer to God and as you sit in his presence and you worship him and you get in the word of God and you pray more often, you'll start to become more like God. And if you're becoming more like God and God is love, what do you become? Love. So we gotta show love, men. 1 Corinthians 16, again, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now, many of you maybe grew up in a household that your family didn't express love well. You didn't really talk about your feelings. Maybe men, you and your dad, you didn't really ever, you know, talk about stuff. You're like, that's weird, that's weak. I ain't talking about feelings. Maybe you never said that, but it was kind of just like a, a thing. I get that. But in the Bible, we look to Jesus for our example, right? And what did Jesus do? And he had had no problem showing love to people around him. He got down on his hands and knees and became a servant and showed the ultimate love by washing their feet. But the ultimate love, the Bible says, is to lay your life down for one's friends. And what did Jesus do? We know that he died on the cross for us. He showed the ultimate act of love by getting on a cross, taking every burden and every sin that we've ever committed and dying for the sins of all humanity. Now, I don't know about you, that's pretty manly. That's awesome. You know, we like to carry things. And many, many times, men, we get stressed out. We get anxious. We get worried about things, especially finances and our job. And, and we got a lot of things going on and we gotta take care of the house and the kids or whatever. And we feel that burden to provide, that burden to protect things that we're wired to do, right? We feel this burden within us and yet it becomes, a, it becomes a burden. It's not a healthy thing anymore. And we're holding on to this. We're taking all of it on our shoulders. What I wanna encourage you with today is maybe you're in this place and you're dealing with something. Maybe you're dealing with your own sin and you're trying to do it by yourself. And Jesus wants to take that burden. And the word of God, it says that Cast your cares and your burdens on Jesus. Why? Because his yoke is light. His burden is easy. He can handle it. And I don't know why we do this, but we get so stressed out and so anxious. We, we think about all these things over and over and over again. We have this huge burden on our shoulders and Jesus is literally standing there saying, hey man, I can help you with that. But now nah, I'm good. I don't need you. I can handle this. Maybe you don't say it like that, but we don't go to Jesus. We don't pray about it. 
We don't talk to God about it. And essentially, that's what you're saying. If you're not talking to God about it, you're saying, I don't need you for it. So we got to give these things to God. There's some guys in the church right now, they're looking for jobs and they're stressed out about it. I get it, man. I'll say, hey, let's pray. Let's go to God first. You can go to Indeed. That's cool. But let's go to God first, right? He humbled himself and Jesus took on the sins of all mankind on his shoulders. He took the biggest burden that has ever been placed on any one man ever and carried it for you so that you didn't have to. And I believe that there's a man in here today that just needs to get right with God. You say, hey man, pastor, I, I know I'm not living right. I know I'm not living for God right now. Or, or maybe there's some things that you need to just give up to Jesus. Maybe you're just stressed. Maybe you do live for God, but you're stressed out. You're anxious, you're nervous. You say, hey, I, I need to honor God with my life by leading my family well and, and stepping up and standing firm in my faith, being the watchman for my family. I wanna pray with you today. Would you stand with me? Just to recap, authentic manhood. You gotta watch out for the people around you, for yourself. Satan's trying to attack. You gotta stand firm. You gotta be strong and show love in all things. Would you bow your heads? If this message has resonated with you at all and you say, hey, that's me. I'm talking to the men today. I'm unashamedly talking to you guys. You say, pastor, I wanna step up for my family. I wanna stand firm in my faith. Satan's been attacking me. I'm not gonna let it happen any longer. Or maybe you say, pastor, I need to get right with God today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. If that's you in this place, come on, I see you all over this place. Come on, yes. Come on, I see you guys. I see you guys. You can put your hands down. Come on, I'm gonna pray with you today and believe that God is gonna help you in your journey to stand firm and to know what it means to be an authentic, real man, one that serves Jesus first. Come on, let's pray. Father God, I thank you. You're here in this place today. There's some men that are taking the challenge. They're not backing down from the challenge today, God. Uh, they raise their hands and they say, you know what? I'm taking the challenge, God. I want to get right with you. I want to make sure that I give all of these burdens and, and my sin and, and all the things, my anxieties, my worries, my doubts, all I give it to you right now, Jesus. And Lord, I'm trusting you that you're going to be able to handle it because you said that you could. I believe you're bigger than my problems. And that you could provide for my family well, way more than I ever could. And God, I pray that you would help us as men in this place today to take the challenge to be the watchman for our families, to be the watchman for our workplace, be the watchman for our friends, the people around us, for our spouse, for our kids, God. Help us to stand firm, to be strong, but ultimately, God, in all things, to show love to others. God, if there's somebody here today that's saying yes to you for the first time or rededicating their life to you, God, I pray that you would honor that, that you would help them in their new journey with you. That you would meet them right where they're at today. Help them to know they're not alone. And that they have a group of people here that's gonna hold up shields with them and help them to fight back against the enemy and to be victorious in you. And Jesus, we thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise this morning. Hands going up everywhere today.
Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. Man, I, I just pray that you have a fantastic Father's Day with family and friends. Hang out with some people. Show some love today, man. Come on, let's enjoy it. Hang out with us out here. And if you're new, I'd love to connect with you. God bless you. See you next week.